God bless you guys. God bless the world, buddy. Let's go racing. This is the Loud Pedal Podcast. A very diverse cast of automobile racing characters. With your host, NBC Sports Television Analyst and part-time midget racer, it's D. Welch and Mr. Dylan Welch. Yeah, you damn right I got that out there. Oh, that stupid-ass flagman. They got a dumb-ass flagman they can't see. And an expert in only one category, food. Yeah, look how big those things are. Little meat on the bone there. And cook perfect. Well, sometimes racing, but mostly food. When you're talking a, a meal, like people I'm about to die, I will ask for 15 to 20 chickens. It's heavy lunch, Tyler Burnett. It's episode 63 of the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow Racing. It's Tuesday, December 14th. And D. Welch, heavy lunch, coming to you after a Gateway Dirt Nationals and uh, some other big news, D. Welch. What, what else happened uh, in the last two weeks? I guess I haven't been on the podcast since then, have I? You haven't. Are we going to throw a party? I was just thinking yeah, about you- this today. Like it's it's crazy that you know you weren't even dating Hannah when we started the show. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It was the summer. Been doing it that yeah, long. it was the summer before. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then you, well, you officially announced you started dating her on the podcast on accident. Remember? I did. Yeah, I think that was more <laughs> of a uh, intentional thing by you, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, it's, now uh, you're engaged. Yep. Now we're engaged. So exciting stuff. We went and looked at our first venue, uh, a couple days ago, actually. So looking, uh, looking forward to it. The wedding planning has started. Uh, I guess it was, was, how did it go? Was it on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah. I proposed on Thanksgiving, which wasn't my original plan. I was going to do it while we were in Idaho, which is where Hannah's from, um, and had a whole, whole different, you know, plan concocted, but just kind of a couple variables and different things happened Thursday morning that made me decide to do it, uh, you know, on Thanksgiving. So, and, uh, you know, that way we got to enjoy the rest of the trip out there. Um, and then, and then go to, go to Mexico as a, uh, you know, as a engaged couple as well, which we were going to go on that trip anyways, but, um, you know, just fun to go do it, you know, as engaged people. So it's been, been a fun couple of weeks nicely planned that was actually pretty stellar i mean i got engaged on a work trip in daytona so i don't think i, I don't think it's as good as cancun mexico on the romantic the romantic beaches of of daytona <laughs> someone said i should have did it on the start finish line of daytona international speedway and i said my marriage would have lasted um exactly as long as um you know terry labani's career lasted when he you know started to frost his flakes <laughs> Texas Terry. You should have just done it outside Oyster Pub and then just walked in there and gotten you a couple cold beers and some good food. <laughs> it was actually pretty close to there. There you it go. Was, it was, we went down to there to the Hidden Treasure and, uh, <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> it, it was a disaster. But congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. I have thrown in. Um, it's been funny because Hannah's been asking for like hashtags for your wedding. And yeah, I have thrown I saw your in. submission. I, yeah, you, did you like that one? I did actually. I uh, and she did too. So, <laughs> Welch, shit, here we go. 
is uh, yep. <laughs> is what I, well I, so I, so I suggested I suggested <laughs> that ahead. we have to somehow we have to somehow condense that so because there's too many like ch sounds in there between my last name and the word shit so we if need to like, like somehow Welch, here we yeah, go. Yeah, like, well, shit, here we go. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Like, just like, Welch, here we go or something. Mm-hmm. Because then people just assume it's, you know, shit in there at the, at the chip part, you know? Yep. Yep. We'll, we'll fine tune, we'll massage it and fine tune it a little bit and get it, get it ready to go. Yeah. I mean, your guys is, you know, what is this going to be anniversary coming up here at the Chili Bowl, ain't it? Yeah. That's where we, that's when we started. I mean, that's when we say we officially started dating was Chili Bowl uh, 20, I guess it was 19, Chili Bowl 2019. So, you know, obviously we'd been been friends before that and, and you know, had actually went on a couple dates before that, but, you know, officially kind of say that it started Chili Bowl uh, 2019. So this will be, this will be three years coming up this year when we're there for Dale. Nice. Three for Dale. Well, D. Welch gets my Sun Dollar Restoration Hat Shake of the Week brought to you by Sun Dollar Restoration. Um, you can visit them at sundollar.net. I'm sure Jason probably would give you a hat shake too for uh, popping the question as well. Um, but what else What else is going on? Jonathan Beeson swept the dome. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much all that happened. Well, the midgets got canceled at Gateway. Yeah. Yeah. Had some new uh, schedules now, announced, now obviously. Boy. Yeah, had some new schedules announced for next year with, um, you know, with with all three USAC series, and obviously, you know, the All Star schedule and that that sort of thing has has been out for a little while, and and so already looking, you know, looking ahead to twenty twenty two. Yeah, we do we have Decoin this weekend for the the midgets on Saturday, on you know here on Flow, which obviously will be a great show, but um, you know, exciting exciting stuff, you know, in the works, obviously, so. Um, should be a, should be another fun race season. Once we, uh, once we get to Tulsa. Tyler Carpenter, uh, one of the late models, right. With some Hey dudes. Uh, he might, that's right. So you know, turbo turbo was my favorite late model driver for a while. Uh, Tyler Carpenter might be my new one. I mean, he's, he's mouthy like Jack Hewitt. Uh, he gives no shits. He's got like, Oh, you know, I think he has like six girls or, or, you know, little girls running around like his, he's got a big family. Um, it gets, you know, he's wild. He says whatever he wants, you know, beat the buttons, baby, you know, keyboard warriors. Like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get some Hey dudes, um, you know, just because of him. I mean, he's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I thought it was, it was funny, you know, that everybody was, uh, I mean, obviously he's, you know, is probably well known for his, his, on camera antics, you know, as he is for what he does on the racetrack. Um, so it was, I think it was people were watching and waiting to kind of see how he would handle the interview when he, you know, if he did win on Saturday and win that truck ride. Um, and he, you know, I thought, I mean, I don't know the guy, but I thought he gave a pretty genuine, uh, you know, pretty genuine interview that, you know, you know, I think, probably endeared him to some people more than it would have if he had gotten on there and given one of his typical interviews, which is, is, you know, his typical interviews are totally fine. You need people like that in racing that, uh, are, are polarizing. Um, but I thought that it was good that, you know, with probably a lot, maybe, you know, maybe some more eyes on that race than, than there would normally be, uh, that, that he was able to, you know, to kind of handle it the way he did. So, um, 
be exciting if he uh, if if everything goes through with that that truck ride and and he does get to run that it's going to be uh going to be a show for sure yeah there were a lot of nascar eyes on that event got some texts from uh industry folk who i used to work with you know what do you think of this tyler carpenter guy and i'm like i i mean what you're talking about the emotions the final night um i think that had a lot to do with the fact that it's like a WWE atmosphere, right? Like the dome just brings out like a lot of emotions. The late model guys are really charismatic. They really lean into, you know, messing around with each other and talking shit and, you know, and, you know, you know, the raw atmosphere of the dome, you know, gets to you sometimes. And I think he, he, he probably felt a little bit bad. You know, he doesn't want to be perceived as like this asshole, right? He's really not. He's a nice kid. Um, and, you know, he's got a chance of a lifetime to go race for Al Nice at Knoxville Raceway uh, in the NASCAR Truck Series. And we'll see what, what happens. I mean, Jack Hewitt ran the Indy 500. And what did he always say? He's like, I, I knew I didn't be belong there. Right? Like, yeah. he's like, you know, when he went to the press conference and I think he like made fun of one of the Europeans or something and got <laughs> and had a shit storm going that week or something at the Indy 500. Well, yeah. I mean, and I, and I think it's a little different going from a, sprint car to an indie car then it will be going from a late model to a truck i mean they're they're probably uh i mean they're probably as similar vehicles as you're gonna find i guess you know and obviously or honestly the truck probably is is i want to say it will be less of a challenge to drive because there's obviously differences but the truck doesn't have as much horsepower as that late model does you know it's gonna it's not going to probably flex and do the things that a late model does, you know, things that he's used to. So I think he'll be able to get in and, and figure it out. But yeah, I mean, cause you look at guys like, I mean, there's been plenty of late model guys that have gotten in those trucks and made them, you know, made them go around there, you know, decent. I mean, I think even like Bobby Pierce at Eldora, you know, that one year that he almost won. So late model guys can get in there and figure it out. So I think if he, you know, if he can get in there and, and get some good laps, you know, in the practice sessions and everything that, um, you know, that he, he should be fine. So it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be cool to watch. I mean, I think, you know, I think like we talk about on the show a lot, anytime you get any sort of, of cross pollination between a true dirt track series and a true dirt track driver and NASCAR, which is the highest level of, you know, the sport in North America right now, anytime you get, uh, anytime you get that kind of um, you know, pairing, I think it's good for everybody. Hopefully, you know, it, you know, makes some people watch NASCAR races and maybe some NASCAR fans are interested in who this guy is. And now they want to watch some more dirt late model racing. So I don't think it uh, is a bad thing at all. Not at all. Did you watch the end of the F1 race? Uh, that see, I'm not into it. Like the Netflix series must be good or something because like it Have you hurts not watched my head it? to, to, it hurts my head to think about everything that went on in that final race and how they had to break it down. And like, I just can't stand the fact that you have to qualify so well and there's no passing and you're not allowed to pass. And if you pass, then, you know, there's a bunch of rules around it. And it's just like, I don't know. I can't get into it, but I mean, it seems like a lot of people are watching it. Yeah. I mean, I think the Netflix show has, has obviously been huge for American F1 popularity. Um, for nothing other than the drama that people anticipate from the Netflix show. You know, I mean, I think that, I think that people watch, have watched the Netflix show and probably have, have come to opinions on different drivers or teams based on what they see on the Netflix show, or they know how something on the track is going to be portrayed in the Netflix show. And so it just, it's a snowball rolling down the hill. They're excited about both of those scenarios. So 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of uh, of things that are very European about it, you know, about how they race and the, you know, I think the guys complaining about, you know, the track limits and getting moved off the racetrack and all that stuff is is laughable, you know, because in, in some instances they definitely come across as a little bit, you know, as a, of a prima donna. But it's F1. It's it's the premier racing series in the world. There and there's no denying that. Um, and and I've I've been made into a fan. I mean, I've always you know casually watched it, you know. But uh, but it it has become if I'm home on Sunday mornings, it has become appointment television for me for one reason or another. Um, and the fact is, you know, they raced it out. You know, no matter how the you know no matter what happened with the you know race control and and all the other you know things that Toto was mad about or whatever. Like the fact is they still had to race for it at the end of the, at the end of the race. And that decided the championship. And I think that's what you want. It's called motor racing. Like they said, that's, that's what you want. And mm-hmm. those, those two guys are the best in the world. And they went out at head to head and Verstappen came out on top. So I think, I think that's all you can ask for. Finally, what Lewis Hamilton had seven straight championships or something. So yeah, I don't dumb. know if it was seven straight, but he had, he had seven. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think that everyone's just celebrating the fact that Lewis Hamilton actually lost. Yeah, I mean, it's like Jimmy Johnson, you know? It's like when he won four in a row, nobody wanted to see him keep winning. You know, nobody, you know, it's the same same thing. Nobody, everybody likes a winner until they win all the time, and then nobody likes them, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird feeling. That was a weird feeling when he won that seventh championship, Jimmy Johnson did, and, and like, everyone was rooting for him because he was an underdog. Uh, that was yeah. that was extremely weird. But now Lewis Hamilton will come probably come back and win eight next year. Uh, and Verstappen will go back into the win, if that's his name. I don't even know what his name is. <clears throat> I don't know. Everybody keeps talking about it. And I'm like, I guess I must go watch. I have to go watch the Netflix series and get ready for next year then. Yeah, you need to. It's pretty good. All right. I'll do it then. So today on the show, we'll have Jonathan Beeson. We're getting ready to talk to him. He, you know, of course, swept Gateway. He's not going to run DuCoin. He's going to go to the Chili Bowl. He's also going to run the Lucas Oil Tulsa shootout. Uh, last year, D. Welch, he had, you know, some drama on the final night um, at the Lucas Oil Tulsa shootout in the, in the winged outlaw division. He actually got called for jump for a restart. He and Joe B. Miller side by side, and he jumped the restart and got put two spots back and then Beeson's teammate, Mitchell Moles, who we have on a show with me and Blake Anderson called Flow Racing Rewind that you need to watch. Um, we watched last year's race, actually. Uh, Mitchell Moles' teammate ended up winning. Um, you're not a guy that, like, you know, you never raced a shootout, did you? I never have. Just doesn't appeal to you? or Just, I mean, it's just a long two weeks if you go out there and do both. I mean, it's I worked it uh, one year, you know, helping a buddy of mine that raced. And then, you know, came back, whatever it was, a week later for the Chili Bowl. And just it's just a long week. I mean, I, w- I would run it, you know, but I, if, if somebody has a car, I would run it, especially now that I've raced some micros. Um, but it's just a long week. I mean, and it, it's – but I think, you know, and, and you'll hear Jonathan kind of talk about this. You know, I think there's some value in it, especially for a guy like him who does not race full-time, you know, races 10-ish times a year. Uh, there's some value in running it just to refamiliarize yourself with the building and and everything, uh, you know, the racetrack. I mean, it's obviously the cars are different, so there's not really that's not why you're running it. But the racetrack, you know, is the racetrack, and and you you kind of can learn the tendencies of the racetrack. You know how it's building a cushion, how the berm is working this year because it is different every year. 
Um, and so there is value in doing that. So I think that that's, you know, that's the benefit of it. Um, you know, for, for guys that race a hundred times a year, guys that race five times a year. So, um, I'm glad that it's on, you know, I'm excited again to, to be able to watch it all this year, you know, like we did last year. And, um, it's a great lead in to, to obviously, uh, you know, the, the chili bowl in a couple of weeks. All on flow. Obviously, Jonathan Beeson, it's a home race for him. So, um, you know, the Tulsa shoot, I guess to go home and sleep in his bed every night. You know, it's a little bit different than you'd have to go back, you know, back after the shootout and then come yeah. back. And, you know, what, basically what I do, get on planes and trains and automobiles to get back and forth to Tulsa for a month. Um, but, yeah, so Decoin this week. Make sure you check it out. Um, Christopher Bell is racing. Um, I think it's the first time we've seen C. Bell in a midget since, well, for a while. Um, he might've run some this season, but, uh, he's going to be running for RMS racing in the Walkopedia mobile, uh, at Decoin. I guess there's going to be probably roughly like 30 cars, but some good cars. I know Mitchell, Mitchell Moles, uh, possibly going to be there. Um, you know, a few others that I've heard of. So should be a good field. I, I like watching midgets, you know, it's nice to go to Christmas parties and stuff and put flow on and being able to, you know, watch Decoin, right? It is. Yeah. It's, um, it's. I love, you know, it's a good, you know, we've got new coin this week, obviously. And then, you know, Christmas next week. And then, um, you know, then it's the shootout and then it's, it's chili bowl, you know, so we, you know, the next, next four weeks, you know, you've, you've got something to look forward to, um, you know, at the end of, at the end of each week. So, um, good. It never stops. Does it Ty? I mean, it's, we're always going, there's always racing somewhere, um, plenty to watch and, and keep you entertained. Yep. Did you pick your Sun Dollar Restoration hat shake of the week? I don't know. I guess I didn't. Um, I'll give Who one to got? Nick Hoffman. I'll give one to Nick Hoffman um, for adapting to the midget, you know, as well as he has. Um, guy obviously is a, is a great race car driver. You know, that's that's no secret. Um, but the midgets are obviously way different than anything he's ever raced before. And then um, raced Chili Bowl last year, but you know, doesn't have very many starts. So. Uh, and he was up there contending for for a win on, uh, I mean, all three nights really, but I guess especially Saturday. You know, he was in the mix really from the start of the race. So I uh, thought that was impressive and and probably uh, elevated him and Lonnie Wheatley's Chili Bowl pool up a group or two, um, for better or worse. But thought uh, thought he had a good 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 weekend. So hat shake to him. Yeah, I did no favors uh, there in Lonnie Wheatley's pool, which we got to go through our pool sheet uh, here in the next couple of weeks when that starts to come out. Um, he won his, you know, the modified prelim, and then I think he finished on the podium every single feature, including all the midget features that week. Um, his his prelim in the modified, I think he finished second, and I think he finished second or third in the finale of, of the late models, which paid really good. Um, finishing on the podium in the midgets was also paid good. And then of course, you know, um, finishing on the podium, the, the modifieds, that was a really good week for Nick Hoffman. That's a good, that's a good sun dollar restoration hat shake of the week. You can visit sundollar.net where you can, um, reach out to Jason and Kim. They'll help you, you know, with fire, water, mold, restoration, damage, um, storm damage, you know, anything, whether it be commercial or, you know, your own, uh, property, they'll get with your insurance company and the, uh, the insurance company will take care of it. You won't have to pay anything. Uh, visit them at sundollar.net. We are presented by quick pits and QuickPits.com. It's your one-stop shop for over 350,000 national parts and accessories from the brands you demand truck, Jeep, auto, and ATV with fast free shipping to your door. 
Use promo code FLOWSPORTS at checkout for additional savings. All right, let's talk to Jonathan Beeson. He is next. This is episode 63 of the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow Racing. Oh, yeah, my hat shake was the D. Welsh, too, for finally popping the question. mentioned in the open we apologize for being a week late on this episode dylan got engaged and then he went on a uh, an engagement moon i guess uh to to cancun mexico uh but we do have jonathan beeson who dominated the dome two weeks ago at the gateway dirt nationals on the show today uh congratulations you look really good man i guess it's indoor beeson season if you will do well yeah, it. Uh, that I like that uh, that title. So, are you uh, are you going to be able to keep it up here, JB, and live up to the hype here? T-shirts. I mean, I sure want to. I mean, I think yeah, it's going to be tougher when we get into this other building. But I've got a lot of laps there. So, I mean, if the stars align, I think it can happen. Are you going to the coin this week? No, the uh, man, we're so we're building another car just for the chili bowl, and uh, we've got three guys running our other three cars, so I'm getting trying to get them ready. And then we have a practice at port if the weather cooperates Saturday, so we've got some of those guys wanting to come down and get a few laps, so we'll shake down the new car. So I'd like to, but between with Christmas even getting closer and uh. And getting that all that stuff ready and then working, it's just not going to make it happen. What's the week at Chili Bowl like for you? Because you're you're obviously very hands on with not only your car but uh, the other cars in your guys's stable. So, what's it like for you? You go in there, I think, probably with a lot of expectations. I would assume on yourself, you know, to, to perform well. But but you also kind of have these other cars that you've got to keep tabs on and, and make sure everything's going smooth with them too. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do. I mean, I I think obviously for me every year the goal is to make the make Saturday's main event. Um, but then outside of that, I mean, I want to give those guys the best opportunity they can uh, to kind of meet their expectations. And I really enjoy that side of of racing. I mean, because I've always been kind of my own crew chief, um, which is a struggle sometimes. So it's really nice to for me to be the crew chief and not have the wheel in my hand too because i can really kind of put those like thoughts of if this is going to work or if it's not and really just kind of uh trust my gut as far as what you know the brain's telling me on that side of the the spectrum to do and 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 we've got some guys that are going to be coming back that have got some laps so hopefully they'll even now, granted, I'm going to race Tuesday, so not all of them are going to get to run before me to, you know, to try some things on. But uh, I really enjoy that side of it. I mean, I love trying to to make the car faster, uh, but it does put some strain on me as a driver too to to do both really well. Yeah, you'll get some extra laps also uh, a couple weeks before at the Tulsa Shootout as well. Um, let's go back to Gateway. I mean. 
from the moment you got in that building, you were the fastest car in the building. Um, and then on the final night, you know, kind of heartbreak there, you got into a lap car, uh, Terry Babb, and um, you ended up driving through the field <laughs> after that to pull a slider on Chris Wyndham on a restart and win the race. Uh, a lot of money that week. Um, are you sad the midgets are, are not returning? And um, t talk about what happened that final night. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's going to stink that they're not coming back. Uh, but, you know, I got to go the two previous years uh, that they had them. And I think some of the things that I, re you know, remembered uh, that I didn't like what my car did then, I was able to uh, to really make those adjustments as the crew chief, you know, pretty quick. I, you know, I felt like the way it's set up to have three nights of racing or, or two qualifying nights, however you want to put it, um, I, you know, Thursday night, I swung for the fences in the feature. I really didn't feel great. I felt like we were like the same speed as everybody else. But I was like, if I want to win, I'm going to have, you know, Chris is good. You know, Newman's there. Zach's there. And Nick Hoffman obviously got a, gr a lot of great laughs and they put him in the field uh, of, you know, the guys that were going to be tough to beat. So Thursday night, I'm just like, well, let's, we're going to swing for it because I can. It sucks. I've got another night to, to try. So it it really worked out for us. And uh, you know, Thursday night it really kind of hit a home run with it. Uh, and then really didn't do much to the car. Just some little stuff that I thought could make it better for the rest of the week. And sure enough, you know, I think everybody got a little faster, but we still just had enough ground to, or, or enough speed already that they just they didn't make it up as fast as we did. So. Uh, yeah, the, the track really was probably better. I think Dylan did it maybe two years ago or the last time we were here. I mean, I thought the track was better. There was some big holes there, but they did a good job to fix them before we went out. Um, you know, so I really thought, you know, the, the terrain you'd call it really made for the racing better, uh, for us than if it was just you know, nothing, because it actually was able to bring up a little bit of moisture that we actually had something to get a hold of and, and some character that where I think if they hadn't had those, it, it probably would have been dry and maybe slow or just not very good. So um, I think that scared some of the guys probably too from coming because it was fairly bad the last few years or, or maybe the first year. I can't really remember. Uh, so I think we had even mentioned like, man, that's just maybe not the place. But then also, I think all the midget guys felt that we were kind of the black sheep of the event. And, you know, when we at the Chili Bowl, like we're, you, you know, we're it. And so we have all those feelings that we think, uh, you know, we should have. And we weren't feeling those at, at that race. And I think that pushed some guys away. And then. Ultimately, I think it led to us not probably coming back. Now, I looked at the schedule for a couple years later uh, from here, or I guess would be 24. Looks like it's going to be an extra week. So maybe if they don't find the right class to fit where we left, that maybe we'll get another opportunity and maybe some more cars will be able to show up. Yeah, it's definitely the racetrack always has some character there whenever, uh, whenever the midgets are running. So on Saturday, I'm kind of curious, and I was kind of talking with some people about it. Like Wyndham, you know, led the whole race basically and was just on the bottom because he didn't really know, 
you know, didn't have any reason to try to go anywhere else. So for you coming from the back and having to move around and, and, you know, just figure out ways to pass guys, basically, how confident were you on that last restart that you, you know, did you have something up your sleeve or did you feel like you were going to be better just because you did have to search and, and kind of just knew where you could go as opposed to, you know, just him having run on the bottom the entire race? Yeah, I mean, I, I I felt like, you know, Chris, obviously, you know, I was sitting there just kind of thinking about it uh, even before the race. Even so I was like, man, this guy, he's ran, you know, probably close to 100 races this year. And I ran 10 maybe or 12. So, you know, just those, you know, and probably you feel the same, like when you're not racing as much, you know, there's there some guys that are just, they're, they're just sharper. They make those decisions that it might take me and you twice as long to think about. Um, so, you know, those thoughts were going through my head on that, on that yellow, like he, he's good. He knows what he's got to do, but I think he knew that the top I was, you know, I'd been running there a lot of the time, even the previous two nights. So I, you know, I felt comfortable up there. Um, and with him not going up there, he went up there one lap before, like coming to two to go. And I like was, you know, all but running over him up there because he just you know didn't know his limit or maybe he just you know obviously maybe wasn't that good but uh yeah i i would have thought he probably would have stuck the bottom and hoped that i you know just step on it up there um but then like you know we get to kind of the flag stand and i kind of know notice he's going higher and higher down the straightaway and i that was kind of when i made my decision because i was going to the top if if he wasn't uh and then like just that kind of a split second decision I'm like well i've got to go here because with the whole you know there's more holes down on the other end that i felt like would maybe not play out right if I, I i didn't think i could uh get him down there i guess per se and so made that decision and thankfully i hit that little stretch i guess perfect if you would have called her. I thought it ended up being perfect. I thought it could have been way worse than it, than it ended up. And then we just drag race down the, the back straightaway. And that old Esslinger, you know, that car, uh, that Esslinger is obviously really special. It's, uh, you know, I've made all my feature starts, but two or three in that, in that car at the Chili Bowl or that motor. And so, uh it ran with him down the straightaway and was pegging the rev limiter all the way down and uh i really didn't think i still didn't think i had it until turn four and then my car just worked was so good through kind of the roughness and i could move i could be kind of like a car length higher than everybody even in that turn that and still get like the run coming off and uh you know i've watched that replay a few times and just my car just went or stayed around it and i was able to keep momentum and and then, of course, it got off the the bottom there really well and beat him to the finish line. Is it a, a, a bit ironic that the best show of the weekend was the class that's not coming back? Yeah, I mean, I didn't <laughs> I mean, watch any of those other races. But like, like I said, that's kind of how I felt, you know, all weekend or and what I felt, you know, when we were there in the past that we were just kind of like a sideshow. And that's fine. I mean, I get that that race is for the late models but uh we were sitting you know the previous two nights we were down in the bar at the hotel which was right there by the track and 
you know, my couple crew guys that had on our hard eight stuff. I mean, I wasn't wearing any of it, but like nobody, nobody watched those features before probably that night. Like they would, my guys were like, dude, we, it'd take us 15 minutes to get up the stairs to go watch a race because they're all leaving. And, uh, you know, so I just was like, man, they, these guys just really, you know, one guy, I'd never heard it before, but they called us tumble buggies. The the fans did. And I've, I've never heard that one before, but yeah, they just, they, they didn't care. But, you know, by the feature Saturday night, I think either they finally said, well, we're just going to stay because there's only three races to watch. And, uh, you know, when I got out of the car, that was kind of the coolest part for me was like to hear the, the crowd going crazy because I kind of felt like, well, I did something for us or, or whatever they were excited for. But, I, you know, they, everybody was, a you know, just a racing fan at that point, whether they it was a late model guy or a modified guy. They all just like probably saw a good race or they were cheering for me after my screw up. But that was pretty special. And then, I mean, a lot of those guys came down to the pits afterwards like, hey, man, I didn't like you guys before, but that was a hell of a race. And so things like that were just as special as winning was to know that. You know, maybe we, you know, can't, you know, bridge some people over to, to our sport just to enjoy just a good race. Yeah. So if it comes back, we can, we can credit Jonathan Beeson as the savior for midgets at the dome. <laughs> we've yeah, Cody mean, we've came been, to me after, Cody Cody came over after the race and really uh, was, you know, enjoyed it. And he's like, you may have just won the last race at the dome. So I don't know if he implied that. You know, it's not a, a, a definite, but it, uh, I just thanked them for having us. And I, I said, you know, hope you enjoyed it. So it, I'm going to jump in here real quick, Ty. So as a guy, you know, with, you know, who doesn't race, obviously, full time and, and you don't either, you know, you, you make pretty select starts throughout the year. How much of a confidence boost was that, though, just to have? not only the the weekend that you had, but to have the Saturday night performance that you guys were able to put together, uh, you know, just obviously leading into to everything at Tulsa here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think, you know, the, like, you know, the surface is different, you know, from the chili bowl, but you know, the things I learned about my car, um, you know, we may not go to that extreme, but I'm at least going to have a little more confidence as the, as the crude guy. Uh, you know, to make those changes when I need to at the Chili Bowl and not second guess them. And then I think, you know, uh, I definitely got some more confidence, you know, running the top of the track is really one and two the whole weekend. Uh, I mostly ran the top for the majority of the races. And I mean, it was right on the wall. And that's really, you know, not something that I do. You know, the tracks that we I race at here, mostly short of Port City um rarely would be on a fence type of track so i was i have some confidence in my abilities you know in that more than i have before because i know i can you know run the bottom probably as good as anybody um especially at the chili bowl and the shootout but the top is something where i don't have as much confidence so i think that uh being as kind of wild up there as as it was and uh is definitely gonna give some boost to if I need to get up there, you know, at the Chili Bowl, I, I won't hesitate. Now, during the summer, you're like a full time micro guy, right? Or, or what do you do full time? 
No, I mean, really, my job and my family is full time. And then, yeah, the micro, I haven't raced. Uh, my boys got a junior sprint. Um, and we did, we'd go out the port probably like eight, eight or 10 times when we kind of got him practice, felt like he was ready to go. But yeah, mostly I do run the midget probably eight to 10 times just at kind of the local tracks. I mean, I would try not to go really outside a couple hours just because the guys that helped me. You know, we've, they've got jobs and, uh, you know, just I like sleeping in my own bed. So I don't really go anywhere besides, uh, you know, just around here. And then obviously the Gateway was a you know unique event that everybody could get together. And then I'm not as busy at work, so I can afford the time off and, and not miss anything. So what's shootout prep like for you? That's that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Are you are you all four classes or, or how does that how does that all go for you guys? Yeah, so for me, the only shootout prep I've got is I'm getting my boys junior sprint ready, which is kind of right now it's it's on the back burner, but it's I've been having him put it together after school and on the weekend. So trying to, you know, that was something my dad always made me do is work on my own stuff and and uh, I've never been, you know, a guy that just shows up uh, from when I was probably 10 years old. I was taking the motors off my go-karts and learn how to do that. So he's he's going to learn that he's got to put in some work to enjoy the, the other side of it. Um, and we'll see how long that lasts. I, I don't, we've never pushed him. So we just kind of, it's on or off for him of wanting to do it or not. And he was a little more on it. So we got a junior sprint and I've got two other boys younger, so we can obviously just hang around if we need it. But so I'm getting that. We'll do that. And then the 10 J from out in California with Jared Huckleberry, they're bringing me a, a micro again. I've ran within the last two years in just outlaw classes, but they, they sent me a picture the other day of, uh, of two cars. So the plan is, if everything probably comes together is to run all four classes. Uh, I mean, when you're out there every all day, it's like you get out there early and then the races drag out and you end up sitting there for like four hours and you thought you were going to be there for just like two or, or something like, well, if I'm going to be there, yeah, you may as well race and I might as well just run them all. And, and the pills are also important to that, that, uh, you know, might as well have four chances. I mean, because I've been fortunate enough to, be second in the last two outlaw features, but you know, and started really good. But you know, the stars may not always align, so you might as well have some other options. Four pills to draw that's that's for dang sure. It's tough because yeah. you have to race against everybody every night, right? You don't get a prelim like you do at the Chili Bowl where you kind of get like an no, easy I mean, you don't get to race against every, I mean, like there's a really slim as many cars as there are there's a slim chance that you're going to have a heat race with somebody that you you know the years that i made the feature like i don't know that i've ever had a heat race with the guy you know in the feature too so i mean they're just you probably end up having like each heat race might have one feature starter in it and and maybe two i guess it and then when you get to the qualifiers it gets a little more you know tighter and a little better racing or or so it's still tough i mean it's it's i don't have the nerves like i do at the chili bowl there i mean just because i i just ranked the chili bowl that much higher uh you know i've won a couple shootouts i want to win the outlaw race so i've gotten second the past two years and that's 
I've told the 10J guys like, hey, whenever I win that race, if I can, I would probably will stop doing the shootout. Uh, so it's, you know, but then I say that, and then three years ago, I didn't race the shootout and had one of my worst chili bowls. And I said, I'm never not racing the shootout again because I it it had to affect my chili bowl, which it didn't. I just, you know, didn't do good. So, yeah. A lot of guys have come on board with that. I mean, Tyler Courtney, Kevin Thomas Jr., Brady Bacon, they all run it. Uh, C. Bell still runs it. You know, it's just extra laps in that building that you need because you don't get very many laps during Chili Bowl week. No, I think, you know, that the cars don't, you know, nothing translates from one car to the other. I think really it's just kind of probably for a lot of guys, if they haven't ran in three months, um, it might, you know, just that getting close to cars or, you know, your your timing or, or just your really from just mental where you, you just can make that decision then instead of waiting. And that's the difference of, you know, maybe winning or maybe getting that transfer spot or whatever it comes down to. I, I think that's more of anything. Now, of course, I just ran the gateway race, so I've got a few more laps. But uh, I think that's what it's more meaningful for me than then I'm never, I'm not going to feel anything that the same. It's just getting sharper. Were you um, happy to see the, the age restriction rules change for the Chili Bowl? Or are you like, I, I think like if you're a Kevin Swindell or a Christopher Bell or someone like that, it's like, it kind of changes the record books, right? Because now you could potentially get a younger winner when those guys weren't even allowed to get the chance to to race at that time. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's unique. I think obviously making, uh, of course, you're going to call judgment calls, but there's some kids that I would feel that are comfortable, you know, racing. I think their mentality is a little different, but maybe everybody's mentality changes when you're at the Chili Bowl because it's, you know, once a year and you're trying to do something spectacular. Uh, so it may not make a difference whether they're young or not. But, I mean, throughout the years that I've ran against, you know, I was one of those younger guys but like i didn't race a midget until i was 18 years old was my first chili bowl start and now these kids are you know practicing and i'm at 12 years old or and now they can race at 14 and i was just thinking like my when i was that age my parents would have never dreamed to put me in something like a, a chili bowl car or you know a midget like it was just unheard of like and and maybe you know we've had some thoughts like maybe we should have we had an asphalt late model for a couple of years and when i turned 18 and we thought well maybe we should have got into that sooner and then maybe that would have changed my you know my path or, or my chances to make it higher but I, like i know my dad made me when i turned like 14 and at the time you could go to a class in a micro and i'd had a micro but my dad made me go through two years of like the in-between class because he's like, I, you know, you're racing against adults. And, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, and they, I was still racing against adults, but it was at a different level. Like those guys weren't thinking they were going to be race car drivers either. They're just more for fun. So I think it's different, you know, in today's world because everybody's trying to rush to get there to beat the next kid and there's a bunch of good 14 year old kids and they're probably if they're looking for a nascar ride they're probably fighting for one opportunity so uh i can see it i think as long as the committee or whatever you want to call it you know does the right thing i mean i don't know that 
there should be somebody 14 year old or whatever making their first ever race there uh but there's also guys that rent these cars that you know maybe don't belong in it either that aren't getting uh you know screened either yeah have have decent big car experience have decent you know midget experience i mean like you know brett cruz ryan Timms, they've already won in these midgets um you know have plenty of feature starts to, to race the chili bowl so uh thanks for coming on the show thanks for uh, sharing some of your opinions and uh good luck you know at practice day and then going to the shootout in the chili bowl yeah thank you guys for having me i appreciate it see you out there all right take care dylan see you tyler